Welcome to Gelly, the Global Executive Leadership Initiative. This podcast is part of its six-week course on influencing for Gelly's regional training program called Influencing for Senior Leaders, Analysis, Strategy and Practice. Hello everyone, Duncan Green here. I'm really happy to have with me one of the gurus of thinking and working politically, Wilf Mwamba, who is currently acting chief of party at the management consultant in Zambia, DAI. Wilf, welcome to Geli. Thank you. Thank you. Nice to see you. Yeah, uh, albeit on Zoom, uh, on on the screen. Um, Maybe let's just start briefly just explaining what your job is currently. Sure. Thanks. Uh, As you've uh, pointed out, I work for DAI Global, which is, it's actually a U.S. uh, firm, uh, international consultancy firm working on development. And uh, we're uh, managing a USAID project on local governance. So my my job is to oversee the team. Uh, I've been leading the technical implementation of the project. And our goal is to support the Zambian government's decentralization agenda. So three key things. Uh, improving citizen engagement in local governance, uh, improving the capacities of local authorities, the the councils that deliver the services. And I think what's innovative about this project is we we put a premium on learning. So we actually have an embedded learning and adaptation uh, objective, uh, which helps us to uh, bring innovation uh, as well as, uh, you know, policy thinking that uh, allows us to change course as we go. Fascinating. Okay. And previously you had a long spell at DFID and FCDO, I believe. Yes, indeed. I worked for uh, a DFID stroke FCDO for uh, 18 years. Uh, in my career, I was uh, largely a governance advisor, worked a bit in Sierra Leone, uh, spent a lot of time in DRC and uh, a lot of time in Nigeria as well. Uh, and of course, I worked in my home country, uh, Zambia, on largely public sector reform uh, issues. Uh, elections, uh, public sector reform, public financial management, and so on. Okay. And in all that, you've developed, I think, a really great understanding of how to bring analysis into project design and and strategy. Uh, And that's what I wanted to talk to you uh, about today. Let's start with, you know, where we're starting in, in the Gelly course is about how do you understand a problem? How do you dig into a problem? How do you unpack a problem to find points of entry? So maybe you could talk a little bit about how you do that in practice. Sure. I mean, I, I think um, usually uh, what I find is uh, discovering the what of the problem is, uh, is quite easy. I mean, everyone knows if, if local governance, for example, isn't working, people will have an understanding that this isn't working. Uh, but why it's not working is much more, I think, uh, where the, the challenge is. So uh, sometimes I feel like a fraud because, you know, it's, it really stems from asking the question, why is this not working? So if our aspiration is to have uh, decentralization, uh, why isn't, isn't it working? Um, and uh, trying to work with uh, stakeholders to, A, agree what the issue is, and then finding something that we can hook on, um, we can hook on to the um, to the problem. So, for example, I was talking about decentralization here. Uh, in Zambia, we've hooked that on something the government won't deny. Everyone wants decentralization because it's in the constitution. Therefore, if it's something that's in the constitution, 
how do we make sure that it's hap it happens? And if it's not happening, why isn't it uh, happening? And then working with counterparts and uh, stakeholders to try and understand what we can do uh, to unblock the bottlenecks or the constraints. I don't know if that answers the question. And when, when you're doing that, do you use particular mm -hmm. tools or do you just have a, a conversation? So I think, uh, I think tools are... Tools are great, but uh, I, as I said, I, I feel like a fraud because sometimes we can focus so much on the tools and forget that what we really need is this engagement with people. Talking to people, knowing what to ask is important, and that's where the tools come in for me. Uh, but really focusing on, uh, on engaging with the stakeholders that are involved is even more important because some of the original questions you might have may end up being not the sole good question. So having the open mind and engaging, I find, is much more beneficial um, in addition to the tools. So one of the tools we suggest is actually the five whys, where you'll just say why, 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 why. So you're ahead of the game, I think, on that one. Yeah, that's, that's one of my favorites. It took me a while to, uh, to kind of appreciate it because it seems so simple. And I think what I find with our professions is that we get, we get so educated that we, th we think um, we need to uh, complicate the two, and that five whys for me is a great two. Okay, excellent. All right, I'm going to move on a little bit to. So you've 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 done your five whys. You've 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 got a problem that everybody agrees on the on the you know why is this not working? Not just what is not working, um, and you identify some points of entry, some things which you think you can fix. How do you then start understanding? The political economy of that of that you know uh, context. How do you understand who's blocking, who might be allies, who you've forgotten? I remember we had a conversation a couple of years ago about all the people that Diffid forgets, like traditional chiefs and religious authorities and that kind of thing. How do you go about that 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 issue of understanding who's in who's in play there? You know, uh, stakeholder analysis is important. And when we talk about uh, going back to uh, simplifying uh, the tools, as you start to develop or, or define what the project e or problem is or the issue is, there usually will be, you will not work in isolation. So names will come up, uh, people will come up, institutions will, will come up. And uh, really just having almost a log as you go in looking at, I mean, picking up who's involved, who are the decision makers, who might be blockers, who are impacted by this issue, all, all comes into place. I, th I think this idea that you, you always have to have a very specific, let's go sit down and uh, do stakeholder analysis, takes away from you know, the everyday political analysis because we pick these things up from newspapers, we pick these things up from the news, you pick these things up from how you talk to people. So yes, the framework is really important to have a stakeholder analysis, but I, I like to say this is, it should be something that's, uh, that's fluid, really um, starting to understand who's impacted, uh, who's, who, who's in the game, who, who can be involved in, in this as a, either a blocker or someone who would be um, a, a supporter and the people around them. Uh, because sometimes, I mean, they, there's this notion that we have big men or big women in Africa, which is 
largely true, but they do not work in isolation. I mean, even Nigeria, where you have the very big men, as, they, they, as you may know, uh, they have what are called, at least at the time that I was there, they were being called kitchen uh, cabinets. So who are in those kitchen cabinets and who influence those people in the kitchen cabinets? Um, you know, really starting to understand uh, that. And most of that you really pick up by talking to people, uh, talking to uh, uh, civil society, uh, talking to ordinary people. I like to have relationships with journal, uh, journalists because they pick up stuff that uh, sometimes they publish, sometimes they don't. Um, church leaders in, in most uh, African countries are influential in understanding what's going on. And, um, you know, um, the, the, the civil service can get a, a bad rap uh, in development because in most countries, you know, they may not be as effective as the UK or the US, uh, but uh, you also have very, very committed people in there who sometimes uh, are just unable to, um, to the air their views. So for me, um, I think it borders on really building those relationships and not uh, not missing an opportunity to pick up a name, uh, to pick up an institution of those people who are impacted or can have an impact on the problem that you have. So you keep a journal, basically. You keep a, a log, as you I, say. That's yes, I keep a log. That is fascinating. So two questions on that one. One is, what do you do with the log? When do you bring it together with other people in your project uh, to compare notes and come up with a... a, a a sort of more systematic view. Sure. So um, I think, especially with, with this project, one of the things that uh, USAID asked us to do was make sure that we are updating our political economy analysis on a quarterly basis. Therefore, because it's a deliverable, it also helps us to make sure that we are, you know, we, we've instituted um, uh, a discipline for our field staff to continually be asking these questions, you know, uh, whose interests are, uh, are at stake, who are the people who are movers and shakers, and just keeping that. And so on a quarterly basis, uh, at, the, at the least, we, we would have these conversations. I have conversations with the field staff to just understand what's changing, you know, if last week, uh, I mean, most recently, for example, we had a very big change in the chief executives of the local authorities we work with. And that shift helped us to understand whether if uh, a, 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 a particular local authority wasn't performing and we had made this hypothesis that uh, the chief executive wasn't getting along with someone else senior in, within that district. Uh, in Zambia, we have what they're called... Uh, district commissioners who are not elected yet have very big influence in a district, we then were able to see very clearly that if a person was moved, there was some movement uh, towards reform, or if it got, uh, got worse. Luckily for us, for most places where that change has happened, we've noticed because we were keeping these journals and, you know, just really... Uh, identifying little things like when you go into a meeting how is this person responding what are the kind of things they're talking about that interest them they, you know officially they'll tell you they they like a b or c but you you begin to see over a drink or uh, over time they'll mention what they really care about so that systematic uh, gathering of information has been very helpful to me and helpful to to others um, it can be challenging making sure that you are uh, you don't lose the, the threads of the knot. So uh, for us, um, because we are doing this on a quarterly basis, we can actually kind of carry 
um, that knowledge with us. It's, 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 we, we still have the institutional memory within our team uh, to carry that. Uh, so the challenge will be if we do lose one or two people who have been influential, um, I think we're still a growing project. It's our sec we're going to our third year, this is our second year. Uh, we still need to find a way of making sure that that knowledge management uh, gets better. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, what I get from that is an extraordinary emphasis on individual relationships and a networks of relationships. Um, more important, perhaps, than understanding institutional processes and institutions, or both. Sure. So, I think for me, I, I, I uh, you know, I. I I like to think that um, uh, you influence people and people influence institutions. Uh, you know, institutions, if the institutions are the rules of the, of the game, if you like, those rules are made by individuals. So the more you know about the individuals who then form those institutions, I think uh, the better. Thinking about institutions in an abstract is very difficult because when, whether you talk about a political party or you talk about a, an, uh, an institution in terms of a, a ministry, an established institution, you still are talking about individuals. I suppose it could be quite paralyzing to think about institutions because you don't know where to start, whereas with individuals, you know where you are, right? Exactly, yes. Uh, there are cultures, of course, right, within, within institutions, but I think once you know the individuals and the, the impact that those individuals may have on the culture of the institution, it's, it's much more helpful. It's, it's, it's a place to start. And just a, a side question, really. I didn't have this in my list, but... I, uh, um, what do you do if you're an introvert? Because I mean, you're clearly an extrovert, right? You like talking to people. What if you actually prefer to read documents? Is there a place in this work for introverts, or just get a different job? No, I think I think there is. I think I think as an introvert, you have to rely a bit more on uh, uh, on secondary sources. But I think also that. Uh, Introverts do do like some introverts. I think most actually will not have a problem on a one-to-one -one meeting. They have more problems when you have wider meetings. So as an extrovert, I mean, you might find this surprising. I actually hate cocktails and all this stuff where we have this. That I prefer to have a one-to-one -one like a, like this and uh, really get to know the person because you can have attention. So I think you have to find a style that works for you uh, rather than uh, yeah. I, I really didn't care much about the donor uh, let's get togethers and that I think in the end you don't I like them to meet people and know when to get to them but those are not the places where you really have this this kind of stuff coming out yeah I, I hate cocktails as well so <laughs> nightmare thing I wake up screaming about um, okay brilliant this is fantastic uh, Will thank you so you've done your analysis your stakeholders do you use any particular tools for stakeholder mapping or do you just put them all down there and say right who are we going to work with how do you what do you how do you turn that into something you can work with sure i mean i think you know there there are a multitude of tools on stakeholder analysis uh you, you if you type in on the internet you'll find all kinds of of grids for me uh i i i use the tools uh, as a framework for thinking where they they make sense so largely it's about keeping uh, I, I find just keeping a log of uh, the, the names of people, watching these people over time, you know, from my own interactions with them, reading about them in the newspapers, finding, picking up as others uh, talk about them or what experiences they, they've had. And um, I also like to spend quite a lot of time these days, it wasn't always the case, with people who disagree with me uh, because I find that uh, it's easy to have... Um, 
uh, a, a perception or a hypothesis and you start supporting that hypothesis rather than testing it. And I'm finding that as I've grown older and gotten more comfortable in this business, I actually enjoy a good debate, you know, whether it's about how I see a position or how I think uh, about, about someone, because that helps me uh, to, uh, to get a fuller picture. So the analysis is, uh, you know, um, you can use any one of the matrices that you find, but for me, it's what's important is knowing the person, knowing what the, their interests are, uh, knowing who else are around them that I can, I can find to reach them. If I don't have a personal relationship with them, who are the other five that I may be able to find, or who's the person who can take me closer to, to, to them. And for some people, I know that I'll never reach them myself, but using those influencers or connectors, I may at least have a sense of what they're thinking and how we might be able to influence their, their agenda. So well, who are your, the people who disagree with you, who you uh, bring in? Are there particular kinds of people that you find really useful in terms of disagreeers? Yes, actually, academics I find quite good. Uh, you know, at least in that because uh, they they have uh, they they have particular views, and I think you know to give the context of Zambia, the last ten years, this country has been so polarized that it was always difficult to get that ob uh, the objectivity. So I tended uh, then to particularly look at someone in the newspaper who uh, some of the columnists who write things that I kind of really disagree with. And, uh, and just, you know, find time to talk to them because they would always give me a perspective that was different. And even if I ended up still disagreeing with them, it, it, it tests my own ideas or it gives me a chance to, to rethink. And there were a lot of things that I've had to, you know, rethink myself uh, because of that kind of, uh, of engagement. So journalists are always good value. I, I you know, I, I, when I was kind of a, a civil servant, I ran away from them. Now I run towards them because you, <laughs> I, I'm, less, I'm less in trouble talking to them or understanding them. I won't be quoted, I'm a, I'm a nobody, so that helps. Uh, academics are good and, uh, you know, other pra practitioners. Um, I, I find those are, are good value. Obviously, you know, civil society and other, other key influencers are, are, are also good. But I also watch out for those who... Um, there are two types of influencers. There are influencers who say who become an expert to, on every, everything. Those I kind of worry about. You can't. Then it becomes about vanity and it becomes about them. I, I prefer to look at those who stick to their subject and uh, able to you know keep it going for a longer term. So I would talk to you anytime about development because I've seen yeah, that's what you what you focus on. But uh, if if if, if you are an expert on everything, I'll start to worry about which Duncan I'm, I'm, I'm talking to. <laughs> Fair enough. And you mentioned civil society. I mean, I get the impression that your work is quite insider, inside track. So you're, you've got access to government. They want you to help them with the decentralization. So how do you talk to people who are opposed and how do you involve people who are basically in outside the corridors of power? Sure. I think the, the important thing is, uh, uh, going back to where we started, is the problem and the issue. Even though people may be on opposing sides, I think everyone is kind of clear that they, um, they when there's a problem, uh, people can move away 
from their individual uh, individual spaces, if you like, in order to find a common a common ground. So we do work. My work uh, involves a lot of. Uh, I work a lot with with civil society, and with civil society, we focused. And this goes back to my days in Nigeria, thanks to the survey program that I worked on or worked with. Uh, bringing a cons a constructive, building constructive relationships between governments and civil society. And in Africa, the, the line is thin. I mean, a lot of these guys who were in civil society uh, last year are now in government. So, you know, they, just, they don't change. If Wilfred uh, Wolf goes into uh, civil society or government tomorrow, it's still largely the same Wilf, uh, maybe with a different way of thinking. So if that relationship is built, where I am or what I, I wear doesn't necessarily change who I am. And so that's why going back to your relationships is also important. Sorry. So that's interesting. Sorry. So if you bring people together to analyze the problem, you've almost created the blueprint for the coalition that will work on sorting it out. Exactly. Okay, thank you. Yes. That's real. I'm really focusing on that, on, that pro, pro, uh, on the problem and on the, on the issue I find helps a lot. Which kind of brings me to my last question to you really i mean you know we're teaching all these tools we've got you know stakeholder mapping we've got um, fishbone diagrams to analyze the problem we've got the five whys blah 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 and what i've seen in in some organizations is that people do all that as a kind of ballet and then they just do what they would have done anyway right so how do you if you have these really useful conversations how do you make sure that what you end up with as a strategy actually builds on those rather than just default to business as usual what's your Top tips for that. I think the, the um, uh, again going back to that focus on the on the problem and what you want to see as success, uh, and less focus on the how. I think what in, what tends to happen is we we can focus so much on the tools and they become an end in themselves. We focus on uh, PEA as the as a report. Actually, one of the things I really dislike these days is the is a PEA report. Uh, uh, because people think that that's you know that's the that's the uh, what you call it that's the silver bullet. No, yeah, the process time. is exactly the process is more important than the product. And I think if if PA becomes a culture rather than the product, we're thinking in the right way. So every time you do any analysis, it has to be an analysis for what. You know, if you're analyzing, if I'm, if I, you know, going back to our quarterly analysis uh, with, with the team, we do the analysis to understand how the context is changing, uh, to understand which priorities within the broad framework of our project, right, that uh, where can we find traction and what are people interested in. If we start with where uh, the local authorities' are, uh, interests are, we find that we're making much more progress. And sometimes even those who didn't start with us on the same level very quickly start to think, oh, there's progress there. This is something that I want to, I want to, to join. So I think you have to have a mindset that the uh, PEA is a culture thing. It's the same way I come into the office, look at my, uh, my emails, I've got to always be thinking, what's changing in my environment today that may impact the results that, I, uh, that we, we, we want to get? Uh, at the same time, also thinking, you know, what needs to change in my program in terms of even what we're aiming to do because the environment is, is changing, uh, you know, and... Uh, I think I'm trying to find an example of something we've recently had to change. Uh, yeah, so this pro when this project was, was uh, first uh, initiated, we were told to very much focus on the local level. 
And then as we've gone, we've noticed that, you know, you can do great stuff at the local level, but if you're not influencing the policy uh, level at, at the national uh, stage, you're not going to make any difference. You can do, it will be a pocket, but you won't build a critical mass. So as a project, we've then moved from focusing on simply uh, doing good things at the local level to start bringing those lessons to the national level. And uh, we're part of the, what we've been doing is in building the, our relationships, we've been taking those uh, senior people at, local, at, at the central level, at the national level, to go with us to the, to the uh, local level because they don't always have the capacity or the time to go and see what's happening. And that starts to make a difference. So that's, a, that's an example of what we've kind of uh, been able to do to adapt um, recently. So the influencing content has gone up. Yes, exactly. Okay, well, that's been the most wonderful insight into your work and, and how to do analysis and make it relevant. Think chess rather than, uh, than checkers or, or drafts. You know, you're dealing with different pieces each one, each 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 piece on a on a chessboard has uh, has its role, and always think about what the what the end game is. What does success look like on a chessboard? It's making sure that the king can't move. In our in our work, what does that uh, look like? It means sometimes you can have a full board and. Uh, really win the, the game very quickly, right? Uh, whereas in checkers, you have to try and get the other opponent to lose everything. So you don't have to change everyone. Sometimes you only have to find that right person, the right group of people to influence in order to see change happen. I love that. Let me end there. I can, I can go on forever. <laughs> and I wish, you, I wish we could because that is so interesting, Wilfred. So Wilfred Mwamba, thank you very much for giving us the time and the huge uh, insights into analysis. Thank you very much for inviting me. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this Gelly podcast. We hope you found it useful and please check out the others in the online library.